You're live. You're like, hi. <laughs> Just making sure I look okay. <laughs> um, welcome to Midwife Monday. Um, today at the Santa Creative Birth Center, we are talking about miscarriages. It's kind of a heavy topic. Um, it has come up recently in our practice. We sometimes do ultrasounds here, and unfortunately last week, we, um, upon ultrasound, we identified two miscarriages, which is really, really heartbreaking. Um, so I thought we'd talk a little bit about what are the statistics of a miscarriage? Um, when are they most likely to occur? What causes them? And how do you move forward after you've found out, after you know that you've, you've had a miscarriage? How do you move forward? What procedures are available to you, if any? Um, if you're ready to try again, how soon should you try again? So we're going to try to cover some of those things today. Um, so, but of course, as usual, if you have any questions or concerns, you can always comment below on this um, Facebook Live post. You can follow us on Instagram. You can email us. Uh, but we do want to hear what you have to say, and we're happy to answer any questions that we can answer for you. So feel free to chime in here and uh, get the conversation going. So first of all, what we know here is that um, of miscarriages reported, one in four women will, will have a miscarriage. So one in four will have this happen. And the most common time for the miscarriage to happen is really between like four and eight weeks of pregnancy. Many women will come in and say, oh, I miscarried at 12 weeks. I miscarried at 13 weeks. I miscarried at 11 weeks. And then we sort of want to break that down because many women will bleed at 11, 12, 13, 14 weeks. But the reality is, is that the baby stopped growing maybe between four and eight weeks of, of that pregnancy. So the actual miscarriage happened much earlier than when the bleeding happened. Um, it takes some people longer to bleed than other people. And we don't always know why, but it's probably related to your hormones and the level of hormones you're producing. Um, so just to be clear, a 14-week miscarriage is significantly different than a six-week miscarriage, even though you might, right? So the demise happening at 14 weeks is really, really different than the baby stopping, stopping to grow at six weeks. That's a much more developed fetus than a six-week. Um, not that it is any less traumatic. So we're not putting a degree of... Um, upset on whether it's a four-week, six-week, eight-week, 12-week, right? They're all devastating. They're all fairly traumatic. Um, so we're not putting a value or less value on a gestational age, just saying that when you have a later miscarriage, there's definitely more bleeding. There's, there's, it's, a more, it's a bigger event. Um, so having said that, most, um, most miscarriages happen early. What we do here at the birth center is once we identify an external heartbeat, and that's usually between 10 weeks and 12 weeks, we know statistically it's really unlikely for a miscarriage to now occur. I think it's less than 4% chance that once we hear the heartbeat externally that that baby will choose not to stick around, right? Um, so that's why here at the birth center we generally don't even start your care till the 10 week mark, between 10 and 12 weeks, because we don't know yet if we have a viable pregnancy. So you can do a few things to find out ahead of time. If you're in the medical model of care, 
you can often, what is often seen in our medical practices is that you identify that you're pregnant, you immediately get an appointment with um, a specialist, an obstetrician. They'll do a transvaginal ultrasound generally around six weeks to identify the location of where this, um, where did the, um, where the egg implant? Did it implant ectopically in one of the fallopian tubes or did it implant in the uterus? So that's often identified in the obstetrical model of care and the medical model of care. They'll do an early ultrasound to say, okay, yes, indeed it is in the uterus. The majority of pregnancies are in the uterus. If it is an ectopic pregnancy, if it is in one of the fallopian tubes, um, you do want to find that out, but generally there are symptoms that are associated with that. There's significant pain, there's bleeding, um, and you're going to go to an emergency room if you're having any of those really severe pains on either side. Um, but often in the medical model, they'll do a six-week ultrasound. They'll say, okay, yes, there's a gestational sac. Yes, everything looks good. Come back in two weeks and we'll do it again. And then at eight weeks, we see a heartbeat and they say, okay, great. Everything looks good. Come back again at 10 weeks. Um, and those first two ultrasounds are usually transvaginal ultrasounds. So it's basically this wand and they put it in vaginally because ultrasound technology doesn't go through bone. So to do a transabdominal ultrasound, we need that uterus to be above the pubic bone in order to see what's going on in there. But when the uterus is still quite small, when you're less than 10 weeks pregnant, that um, the, the uterus is still within the pelvic cavity, so it's behind the pubic bone, and so you can't see it with a transabdominal ultrasound. So they'll go in vaginally because they can see it through the cervix, right? Because there are no bones in there. Um, so they'll do this ultrasound and they're taking a peek through the cervix and then they can see the gestational sac, they can see the little baby, they can see the heartbeat, they can see all of those things. So oftentimes miscarriages are identified via an ultrasound. And um, we talk about that here as well, because we don't do, generally, it's not our standard of care to do transvaginal ultrasounds just to confirm pregnancy. Because our question is, what are we going to do with this information? We do a six-week ultrasound, we see a sac. We say, okay, come back at eight weeks what are we doing with this information? We're not doing anything different, so no action is really taken. We do an eight-week ultrasound, say, there is no heartbeat. Okay, we're at eight weeks, we have no heartbeat. Now what do we do with this information? Um, at the birth center, we say, generally speaking, sometimes people come in and they have a pre-existing health condition, um, so we treat everyone very individually here, but as a general rule, if you're a first-time mom, and there's no heartbeat at eight weeks that's been identified. We say, well, what will we do? Your choice is you can go in and have a procedure called a DNC, um, dilation and couturage, which basically as they go in, they open up that cervix a little bit, they put an instrument in, and they remove what they consider products of conception, right? They'll remove um, the gestational sac and... Um, whatever development has been in there, they're going to remove it mechanically under some kind of anesthesia, and then you'll be released. It's an outpatient procedure. You're then released to go home, and then you will recover. We often say for a first-time mom, if you've had a miscarriage, we'd like to see the body miscarry spontaneously on its own. So we know that at some point you will start bleeding. So we give you precautions in terms of what we call watchful waiting. We say it's appropriate to wait two weeks or so, and let's see what's going on. As long as you have no abdominal pain, you have no fever, um, 
we give you a list of criteria that we that we're checking in with you on to make sure that you're doing okay and then at some point you will spontaneously start to bleed and then most likely you'll have a complete um, miscarriage which means you know you'll bleed like lots of heavy heavy cramping and lots of bleeding and you'll do that for anywhere from four to six eight hours and then the bleeding will start to subside and then you'll go on to have what we would consider the rest of a normal period and then um, and then that will be over right so your choices are if you identify an early miscarriage you can go in and have a procedure done one reason we're not super big fans of that initially is because we don't want to do anything to that cervix we don't want any scar tissue on it we know that the body generally works um, and unless there's a pre-existing condition or some reason we believe that this would not be safe you're traveling we identify this miscarriage and you say oh goodness but I'm I'm getting on a plane in four days and I'm traveling across the country, what if I haven't spontaneously miscarried at that point? Well, we certainly don't want you to be in an environment where it's not safe for you to have a miscarriage. So those are some things that we talk about. Um, if you're gonna be traveling, you might wanna schedule a DNC because it's very predictable. We know what to expect. It's controlled. We can control the bleeding um, for the most part. And um, there's no unknowns, right? And so sometimes the unknown can be really, really stressful for some people. So we talk about the risks and the benefits of doing different procedures. So a DNC is an option, a spontaneous miscarriage is an option. And then sometimes there's medicine that you can be given, not by midwives, but by, um, by doctors. They can give you a certain type of medicine that you can either ingest orally, they can insert it vaginally, that will cause that uterus to contract. So they can prescribe that medicine and then you could go home and administer the medicine and then have a miscarriage at home, right? So that's another option. So um, what we talk about here at the birth center is, okay, so why are we doing these early ultrasounds? We know statistically an ectopic pregnancy is rare. We know that it's often accompanied by symptoms. Um, so we don't necessarily need to do an early ultrasound to identify the location of where this, um, the egg implanted. We do an eight-week ultrasound and we say, oh, well, there's a viable baby in there. We see a heartbeat. That's awesome and really great. But what we don't know at this point is it's still gonna be there in 10 weeks. So again, what are we learning from this early ultrasound? Are we learning, yes, we have a heartbeat. No, we don't. Okay, no heartbeat. We would recommend that you just wait until you spontaneously bleed. There's a heartbeat. Well, let's still make that appointment between 10 and 12 weeks to make sure we can hear it externally, right? So again, the question is what are we going to do with this information and how will this help us move forward and it's going to a lot of the decisions are going to be based on your history so if you've had a recurrent miscarriages you may want to get an early ultrasound you may want to see what's going on very early you may have had a traumatic miscarriage and you don't want to have that experience again you don't want to bleed at home you want it controlled and those are all really really excellent discussion points and we support whatever decision you want to go with but we want to make sure that you understand that you do have these options um, we know that um, sometimes going in for a procedure can be very stressful it's very emotional we want to make sure that you're followed up well after the procedure is done and oftentimes when a DNC is performed or you're prescribed a medication, you're not under the care of a midwife. So I would recommend that if you are with a midwife and you've identified this miscarriage, that you continue to follow up with your midwife just to touch base and see how things are going. 
and see if there are any support groups for you to, you know, talk about things. Um, many women don't talk about this. They, they feel like, I don't really know actually what they feel because I've never personally experienced a miscarriage. But what I see is many women will say, oh yeah, I just miscarried, you know. Oh yeah, I had that happen. And I don't, I don't know why it's not discussed. And, and that's a question I pose to all you out there. It's like, why aren't we talking about this? Um, why aren't we sharing these stories? Now, of course, we don't want to share our scary stories with everybody who's pregnant. We want to be able to share the information in an appropriate way without it being a fear-based way, right? You don't want to tell all your friends that are currently pregnant, oh my gosh, I miscarried and you might miscarry, right? There's a way to discuss this in a, in a supportive environment. Um, so, so, so say this miscarriage has happened. How do you move forward? Do you want to try to get pregnant again? How soon should you try to get pregnant again? So this is a big topic that comes up. And when you talk to different providers in this field, um, everyone kind of has a different opinion about it. But there's no evidence that says you need to wait. Um, some doctors and some midwives might say, wait three months for three regular cycles. Wait six months. Don't wait at all. Um, our point of view on that is, as soon as you're ready to try again, as soon as you have, you know, you've had a miscarriage, you're going to have an ovulation, most likely in 14 to 21 days, because that miscarriage will behave like a regular period. So you, we expect that you'll have another regular cycle. So as soon as you're ready to start trying again, um, we support that. We don't say that you have to wait any amount of time before you try again. Now emotionally, you might not be ready to try again, and that's valid, right? So it's whenever you emotionally feel like you're ready, you and a partner feel like you're ready to do this again, then we say, go ahead and try as soon as you feel like you're ready for that. Um, I was gonna say something else on that. So when to try again. Also, blame. So I, I think, and again, not having the personal experience myself, I think that maybe many women don't talk about it because they feel guilty. They feel like maybe they did something to cause it. Um, they internalize it as there's something wrong with their body, that they're not perfect, there's something wrong, am I ever gonna be able to hold a baby? I think that that is probably the biggest reason why women don't discuss it, um, this guilt factor. So let me tell you, it's really hard to cause a miscarriage unless you are earnestly out there trying to do this thing. You didn't cause it. Um, it's not because you didn't take your prenatal vitamins. It's not because you lifted something heavy. It's not because you had an argument with your partner. It's not because you didn't think you wanted a baby to begin with and now you're being punished. It's not that. It's because most likely there's a chromosomal problem and when this egg and sperm came together and they're doing their thing, something happened within this mitosis, meiosis creation of this little person, this little fetus, that it, all those things didn't work right and it wasn't anyone's fault. And then the body is very smart and it says, okay, this isn't, this, wait a minute, these, these things didn't go together correctly. This didn't, these didn't merge well, so therefore, it's not viable, it can't, it can't stick. It's not that you created it, you didn't cause it. You can't think about it and have a miscarriage. Um, it wasn't because you got chiropractic care, it wasn't because you had acupuncture, it wasn't because you went for a run. 
it wasn't because you lifted weights too much or moved the furniture or any of those things or the arguments or the stress, right? It's just because that's what happened because one in four women, that will happen. And that's really important and I think that's really hard. I think in our, in our frontal lobe of our, our brain where we can really think about this, we say, I know logically that I didn't do this, but boy, I really feel like if only, if only I did these things, this wouldn't have happened. Um, and I can just plead to you to, to try to work that out and, and understand that that's not true, but I don't live in your body, so I can't change that thought process. But I can just, as a healthcare provider, I can tell you that you didn't cause it. Um, unless you intentionally went out and did things that you know are dangerous and would cause a miscarriage, you know, did you, I don't even really know, there aren't that many things you could do over the counter that are gonna cause you to miscarry. It's not because you had the peppermint tea, it's not because you drank some herbal tea, it's not because you took a drop of echinacea, I mean, those aren't the things that are gonna do it. Um, so, I just want you to know you didn't cause it. Um, and if anyone is having a hard time with that, if anyone wants to talk about possibly what could be the causes, if you've had recurrent miscarriages, that's something that we say, hey, let's get some blood work on this. Let's do some kind of panel and check if you have an autoimmune disorder. Is there lupus? Is there um, a blood clotting disorder? Is there MTHFR, which is a big topic? Are you taking folate instead of folic acid? Folate is a methylated form of folic acid that we know is more bioavailable. That's really helpful if you start taking that a couple of months before you're choosing to get pregnant, right? What you're doing the months leading up to pregnancy are important. Um, so there you go. So some of the things that we've just covered, again, I, I encourage you to participate in this conversation with us if you have input on um, how you handled a miscarriage, if you have input on maybe what you wouldn't do again if you had one and it happened again, so you can share some of that with our, with the people, with the folks that are listening that um, maybe you're going through it right now. What were some things that helped you? What were some things that weren't helpful? Um, how do you maybe talk to someone who's going through it? That's really hard. We don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. Um, I can tell you that probably what's not helpful is, well, the good news is you can get pregnant, so you can just try again. Well, that's not so helpful because for this moment, my heart's broken. And, and you've just experienced a loss. And yes, I know I got pregnant. Yes, I know I can probably get pregnant again. But for this moment, I'm just really heartbroken. And that's okay to say. It's okay to say my heart's broken. And I'm mourning this baby right now. And I know this baby was only, I was only pregnant for two minutes, but nonetheless, it, there was a place in your heart for that person. And now that it's gone, you had hopes around that. Whether or not you had those hopes for two minutes, two weeks, two months, those are still your hopes and you still have feeling around that. So, so some things I, I believe and I would really encourage you guys to um, comment below on what was helpful, what wasn't helpful. Um, maybe some of those rainbow baby stories would be really encouraging to our moms that are experiencing this. Um, I call all of you to encourage one another, not frighten each other. Um, we are called to encourage. We are called to do those things for our, the folks around us. Um, and yes, you may have had a traumatic experience, but I encourage you to maybe find the words around that that can be encouraging versus fearful.
Not that you shouldn't share your story, but how can we do it in a helpful way? So I hope that's been helpful for you today. It's been heavy on my heart because we, we had, like I said last week, we had a couple of ultrasounds here and we identified two miscarriages and um, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking clearly for the people that are going through it. It's heartbreaking for their care providers that have to tell them that this is what's happening. Um, and um, we wanna help you walk through this time and everyone deserves someone to talk to your care provider should listen to you. Your care provider should give you options. Um, and you should be given full informed consent so you really understand what those options are and how much time you have to wait, how much time you shouldn't wait. And you should feel like your questions have been answered. And um, if there's any way that here at the Santa Clarita Birth Center we can help you with that, we encourage you to call us, email us, comment. Um, and we're, we're committed to helping you walk through that time. So on that heavy note, we do hope that you guys enjoy the rest of your week and uh, join us next week and we'll do another Midwife Monday. Thanks.